Hey y'all, my name is Ann Wyatt. I started my career in workforce development with the state of Kentucky in 2010. That experience ignited a deep passion for manufacturing within me. I started this show hoping to raise more awareness around the bright outlook manufacturing careers have. Join me as I sit down with some of the manufacturing industry's most successful change makers and learn how they're partnering people with technology. It's time to give people more meaningful work. This is Workforce 4.0. Hi, hey guys, how are you? Welcome. We're super excited to have Wildemine on as our guest. She is the powerhouse co-founder of Swipe Guide. And she is here today to talk a little bit more about how technology is not only creating more meaningful work for our future workforce, but also to explain the optimal sustainability as well. So Wildemine, hi, welcome. And thank you so much for coming today. Hey, well, thanks for having me. I'm honored. And I really look forward to these conversations today. Yes. Awesome. All right. Without further ado, I did want to get into just a little bit more about you as a female CEO, just really quickly before we do a whole deep dive into the conversation. But I had received your assistant, by the way, is great. So ZZ, if you're watching, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Second that. Yes, but she had sent me over this quote and I just wanted to read it for everybody watching today because it's just so inspirational, but it's a quote from you saying, cut out the noise, trust your gut, own it, and just go. And as a female entrepreneur myself, that just really resonated with me. And I just wanted to take some time to kind of ask you about the meaning behind that quote for you and why that's such a special phrase for you. Yeah, thanks for asking. And I think it the biggest uh, reason why that's started to become my life quote is if I go back and look back at my entire life, the one thing I wish for my younger self is this, right? You go through your life with lots of insecurities, with uh, imposter syndromes, uh, with people whispering in your ear and lots of bias that you have to tackle. And if I, you know, once some people, someone asked me once, like, what would you tell your teenager self? And I said, rolling back, this is what I would tell myself. And if that is what I would tell myself back then now, I should tell it to myself now and to everyone else out there. So that's how it became my go-to quote. I love that. Yes. And that really resonated with me as well. So I just wanted to take a minute and acknowledge that and get your thoughts on that. What about ever the seasons, this is the second season of Workforce mm-hmm. 4.0. It's just kind of become a tradition at this point. And, you know, here in the States, we have this uh, songwriter, Hank, Hank Williams Jr. He wrote a whole song about family traditions. So this is my <laughs> little family tradition here that I've started. But what would be your go-to karaoke song or your favorite song? Well, it's funny that you say about traditions. And I think, so first of all, I have to, you know, I have to think about it. So I, karaoke is not big in the Netherlands, or at least it's not big with me, but I sing a lot. So I don't have a, a go-to karaoke song. However, I have lots of sing-alongs and that comes with my family tradition at home. We wake up in the morning, put on some music, usually EDM. That's my go-to music. I have colleagues that send me EDM tracks over WhatsApp to give me some inspiration in the, in the day. And we dance it out a little. And also lots of sing-alongs. So 
thinking about it, I have a sing song that, or was it a track that I always uh, sing along, and that's about damn time from Lizzo. And it kind of ties back into my cut up the nose, trust your gut, own it, and just go. Everyone needs a little, you know, you need to boost your self-confidence. Going into the day, you know, every single day, you tackle many different things about yourself. And what I like about Lizzo, she really owns it. And that song is all about boosting your self-confidence and giving you some positive energy to tackle everything that comes ahead in your day. And subconsciously, that pays off in the brain, right? I love that. I love Lizzo, first of all. Yeah, me too. Big fan. I'm also a fan of that song. And I'd like to think that one of my favorite karaoke songs is Truth Hurts. <laughs> oh, also a good one. <laughs> for my own uh, reasons but dancing it out yeah there's a lot of power yeah. in that right it kind of gets your yeah. energetic juices going yeah currently it's a dutch song in my family we all sing it out loud Dag Terras for the dutch listeners it's a very uplifting song about the summer and you know everybody should enjoy a rooftop party once in a while just to dance it out absolutely Absolutely. I do want to take a minute, if you are watching live today, if you want to drop some of your questions for Will of Mine as we're going along the conversation, or if you just want to stop by and say hi, I'd be more than happy to get those questions answered for you to just drop them in the chat. So getting kind of more into the technical piece of the conversation here, your company Swipe Guide creates a digital twin of a manufacturer's workforce. Where do you see the biggest challenges when it comes to preserving tribal knowledge, right? Is what we like to uh, term that in the mm -hmm. workforce. And what do you feel like are some of the key reasons behind these challenges? And then what are your clients experiencing as well? Yeah. So starting with the letter, so let's flip the question around a little bit. So we all know that a tacit and tribal knowledge is that applied how-to in a job, right? That undocumented uh, expertise that resides in the mind of any worker. And if you look at that, there's multitude of pains that our customer are experiencing as a result of that. So especially post-COVID, as many people reevaluated their life priorities and switched jobs, the result is that that specific know-how is no longer available as people leave that and that to summarize it has a, a three major impacts three pains become very clear there's lots of waste so lagging setup times lagging change over time lagging maintenance times uh, errors in production and specifically the training times of new people and those are some of the pains that our customers are experiencing on a daily basis. They have difficulties hiring for the, the roles that are leaving. The training times go up. And as a result of not specifically knowing how to do something, there's production efficiency, if you want to call it, drops. But more interestingly is, okay, what are the, are the challenges, challenges behind actually preserving that tacit knowledge? And I think that goes back into three things originating, I think, with the DNA of the company. Many of our clients are production companies. They've always focused on the production line, the asset, the product, the outcome. Everything else, the technology, the world culture was a side effect, so to say. That ties into, I would say, work culture that we see across our clients. In the past, they've been mostly process and task focused. And not to offend anyone, but you could say, in general, people working at the front line were looked at as sort of a, a necessary evil to get job, the job done. If I go back to my jobs in the manufacturing line or looking at my dad that spent his life in the factories and doing maintenance, 
no one really looked at the the expertise of people or looked at how do we empower these people to do their work better through technology. They've been very tech deprived. When I started working, and I would stay in comparison to my dad not so long ago, right? There, as a desk worker, there's lots of technology available to me to make my working life smoother, more efficient. And the manufacturing or production industry has been very tech deprived. Uh, and what you can see is that the changing that culture to start capturing that tacit knowledge is a very difficult. Holding on to the knowledge for a long time has been an asset of seniority, expertise, and getting that, getting that recognition. So for us to change that in a broader perspective, we, we need to change culture and we need to change technologies. Interesting. And where do you feel like the change needs to begin? Because you hear this all the time with digital mm -hmm. transformation. It's like all of the things kind of coming out you and it's, it's hard to kind of filter out what needs to change and when. And what does that process ideally look like uh, from your point of view? Well, based upon our experience, Right. And, and what we see across uh, all the wonderful customers that we work with is you can implement all the technology that you want. But if you don't change the way of working and you work in culture, technology can't do much. A technology is a tool. It's an, an accelerator, a catalyst, but it's not the solution itself. So we always recommend to uh, start with your way of working and your working culture, because once you have that going for you, then the impact of implementing these new technologies to drive, I would say, production efficiency, that will really pay off. Love that. Excellent. So when it comes to the manufacturing skills gap, you know, mm -hmm. as we're kind of transitioning from thinking of the tech approach to the people approach in the process overall, mm -hmm. right? Do you believe this to be a global problem? Because you're originally from the Netherlands. I know you just moved to the States, which I am very excited about because Absolutely. now I'm like, we've got to meet in real life, right? But what are you seeing in other parts of the world that could indicate why this is a, a global resource problem or why not? Yeah. Good question. And yes, let's point a dot on the map somewhere here in the United States where we where we, we will physically meet up indeed. So looking, looking at that question, so I think the outcome is yes, it's a global trend. It's unmistaken, unmistakably a global trend. What we see across the, as you mentioned, 300 plus you know, locations that we get to capture the frontline knowledge and turn that into standards. It's in 80 plus countries. So we talk a lot and we spend a lot of time with the, the people on the chats, right? Because we just don't, we don't just deliver a tool. We love, uh, you know, we love the conversations because in our curiosity, that teaches us a lot of things. And what we see is that the, the different workplaces or the different teams that we talk to, they struggle to find the right people because you know, post-COVID, you see a lot of 
as I said, people have rethought their uh, priorities. They're either switching industries, they're switching roles, a type of job. And even uh, a recent study by McKinsey says 40% of all people in manufacturing are currently planning to leave within the next three to six months. They researched in 16 industries in 17, seven sorry, global regions and over 20,000 respondents. And it confirms what we see as well is there is a huge switch in the type of role people take, the type of job people take, and our clients, and I think many manufacturing are struggling to find people with the right technical skills, but also the right operational skills, so to say. And I think that's, that is essential for the industry to rethink, okay, how are we tackling this? Because it's obvious that we can't, we won't be able to hire back the same amount of the same amount of frontline workers. We actually, we shouldn't be. We have to rethink what are meaningful jobs and how can we use technology, as you will, to make that, to facilitate that. Because they're amazing jobs. And I think that if you use the technology to uplift the, you know, the, the impact of that job or the purpose of that job and connect it into the daily lives of what people value in their life, then you have a gateway to solution. I think it's also important that when we see there's not just one single solution, right? There's not a, this is a problem, here's the solution, there you go. Because everyone that is switching out in their job has a different why. So if everyone has a different why, there's not just one single solution, but it's a global, I would say, challenge and I think there's a huge variety of technologies, but also tools, right? And 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 yeah, I would say cultural initiatives you can take on as a company to tackle this. And you know, from your answer, I just mm-hmm. want to add another ad hoc question here. Go for, for it. you. Yeah. But what does more meaningful work look like to you personally? And maybe to to swipe guide. I don't know if you know, that's similar, but to you personally, what does more meaningful work look like to you? More yeah. meaningful jobs. So I think for, for me as a person, and I strongly believe that that counts for everyone, is that everyone in life wants to solve problems. I think it's a human element. We all love to collaborate to solve problems. You can see that reflected in the conversations you have in your daily life. Right? We want to help. It's the nature of people to help collaborate, solve problems. That's where we came from in our evolution. And I think that over the past decades, we've lost the we've we've lost our eyes on what drives you as a human. And more meaningful jobs to me, and I think the swipe guide means that is where the you get recognized for the work that you do and the impact that you can see and feel the impact that what you do has on your life, your colleague, the the person, the company that you work for and the product that you create and that you can participate in its journey, right? When, and that comes for me personally, as I spend my, what is it, 12 hours a day with someone else, I want to I want to work somewhere where my view where I share the same values right as in my life. So why else would I spend so much time there? So I need to be I want to identify myself with that company, with that person, with the product. I want to feel aligned with my personal values 
and I want to see impact. And I think also that relates back to why we founded SwipeGuide and how we are building out uh, SwipeGuide. We strongly believe that everyone, and that uh, looks at our product, everyone is a knowledge worker. Everyone, you know, every line in the world runs because somebody knows how to. And we need to acknowledge that. And we use, need to use that as a gateway for all of the other questions we want to solve in, you know, a digital transformation. Absolutely. I love that. That was a beautiful answer. Thank you. That's, you know, very passionate about the topic. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it's been so overlooked. I can't imagine. It's, it's, I don't know what the right English word for it. Is it like flabbergasted? Maybe that's more of a British word. <laughs> I don't know. That it's been, you know, how can it be that with all the tools and all the technology that we have, it took decades for technology developers, like people to realize what, a, what a, an untapped potential we have in frontline workers that have a specific know-how, right? Just imagine what you can do if you can harvest all of that know-how in a digital way and use that as a gateway for your automation questions, for your skill questions. Then you don't just have one or five people in your company you know, working on it. You have hundreds. I think the impact of 100 is much more than the impact of one. Absolutely. You know, it's going to take a village, right? Yeah. You say that all the time. And I mean, this is a this is a living example of it's going to take a village. Speaking of village, do you see mobile devices and wearables as big drivers to shop for adoption? It's a great question. Yeah. And and very true. Yes, I see that the different ways that we can empower people to support people in their performance at the shop floor. All of these tools are relevant. So mobile devices, yes. Smart glasses, yes. I think there's a they are a physical asset that will help them, will help in adoption of, I would say, capturing expertise or it's a uh, way to augment your job. Yeah. Interesting. I Does hope that, that helps, question? Carol. Yeah, if not, we ask another helps. question. Yeah, please. Mike Unger is here too and he has a question here what are some ways you're seeing technology applied to reduce training times for more complicated manufacturing roles this is another yeah. great question thanks mike absolutely and hi mike nice to see you again or at least on the screen your picture comes <laughs> up here <laughs> so yeah absolutely so some of the ways that you see that technology is being used to reduce training times in more complex manufacturing environment is by using technology to, for example, an augmented technology, smart, or was it enriched technology to support people visually and guide them through the different complex procedures, for example, in assembly, projecting technologies, smart glasses, but even, for example, wearables that identify where exactly you are in that specific manufacturing environment and then triggers something so you have the right information the right training to support you doing that task as you're at different locations so i would say it's a combination between hardware augmented or enriched reality and software i hope that answers your question mike that was a good one too. and yeah it was an interesting perspective for sure and speaking of all of the cross sections between 
technology that's kind of coming down the, the pike at us. You know, when you think of Industry 4.0, edge computing, digital twins, security, cybersecurity and awareness are definitely top of mind. But where do you personally feel like the true intersection of Industry 4.0 and people intersect? What does the future of technology hold for the future workforce? And do you, especially as a female co-founder and executive with children, right? Because mm-hmm. I know you have a couple of littles as well. Where do you feel like this, is, this change is going to positively affect things like work-life balance and or, as we like to say here on Workforce 4.0, giving people more meaningful work? Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack in that question. It's a big uh, question. So and I think the, the first part of it to me is the easiest one. Right? You're asking me, where do you feel is the true intersection of Industry 4.0 and people? And I think right. my, my earlier line there is, in, for us, that is the knowledge. For me, that is the knowledge. It's the untapped potential of people that have been working with you for years or just a week that you can turn and let it you know, put it to work for you. For us and for me, that's that's really the as I said, every line runs because somebody knows how to. And you know, if you can capture that how to at skill and then use all of the technology to figure out, hey, where what's repetitive? Where can we take away repetitive jobs? Because we see that through the data and recommend automation. Yes, great, that's what it can do. If you look through the data of that and you can uplift certain standards and you as a person can see how your expertise that you've captured can help uh, create a better job for someone in across the world. And that's what we see at Swipe Guide. We see cr- people harvesting their knowledge, turning that into a standard, and then they see it being used in five, six, seven different locations around the globe. They get feedback in. It is recognition. It boosts morale. It boosts confidence. It has a direct impact on how you feel um, as a person, the impact of your team, and it, it that creates a huge, I would say, dopamine effect for you as a person. It also makes jobs more accessible for anyone, right? It If you look at that whole question, the intersection of Industry 4.0 and people, that means if you can make the knowledge independent of a person, then anyone can do that job. And that's what we aim for, right, in in closing the skills gap. You want to find a way to augment people and make the knowledge separate of the person so anyone can have access to that same kind of job. You can take away what is meaningless work, what's repetitive, what is degrading work, but enrich those complex tasks that Mike was asking about and 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 was it augment people with technology and tools to do those jobs more than ever. Then looking at the other you know, part of your question, was this a future of technology hold for the future workforce? I think that it, if you look at all the different technology we already see out there, and I, I believe, and we'll never get to a lights out factory. We should never want to do that actually. But I do see that all of the technology that are currently in development from, you know, micro geofencing and point, you know, the IoT, edge computing, as you were talking about, the the machine learning, it will improve 
the I would say the it will improve the in context in which you work, and it'll improve the I would say um, I've lost that word in English. Let me give me one moment. That I, I realize that moving countries one of the things that are our challenge is the at the depth of my English vocabulary. So give me a moment as I as I find my vocabulary back. But I think one of the different ways to phrase that would be is that the potential that technology can bring to uplift people, I don't think we can imagine it. It will, it will you know, increase our ability to solve problems 10 times over with the right technology. And then what you said is, how does this change positively affect things like work-life balance? Well, for one thing, of course, it'll make jobs more equitable. I think there's more to it, like creating more equitable worlds, specifically through my lens as a, as a woman, as a mother, there's more to it. But I think the change of, in general, in manufacturing with the huge attrition that we see is forcing companies to rethink what are meaningful jobs and what is meaningless work. Um, how, if we make that transition, we can increase the cost of labor. We can have provide better access to more decent jobs for more different types of, of people. And as I said, technology can make the who actually executes the work independent of you know, the knowledge that person has coming into the role. And I think that opens up a wide variety of, of possibilities. And as a person, I can only hope that we make that transition as a, as a society, uh, as a whole, so that our daughters growing up will not have to sort of go through these same kinds of conversations that you and I are having, And Absolutely. That was a lot to unpack, yeah. but I hope it gave the answers that you're... I believe that it did, and it was great. I, I, as, a, as an interviewer, you answered each question, you know, independently and cohesively. Um, but no, that was great. Uh, that was great feedback. And I agree. I think that hopefully by having these conversations today, it will impact our future for our daughters as well. That's the end goal here, right? That's the mission behind Workforce 4.0 is to create, create awareness around technology in the workforce. But that is a great segue into Chris's question here in the chat. He says, what does digital transformation mean for the low skill workers who may be diligent, hardworking, trainable, and eager to learn, but have neither the inclination nor maybe not even the capability to understand it? Are they left behind? Yeah, good interesting question. Interesting perspective. Interesting perspective. Very interesting. So first of all, I don't see the question anymore on screen, but the, the low skill workers and are they left behind because they might not have the capability to, or inclination to, to, to develop? I disagree. I think everyone has an intrinsic curiosity, as I said, to solve problems. Everybody wants to better themselves and everyone has different capabilities and different development potential, but that's where technology kicks in. And provided technology is applied the right way, people don't have to be left behind. There's a potential to upskill people, definitely. And technology for them especially can give them a way to pick up a more broader variety of tasks in the manufacturing environment because they are being supported step by step. And that's why we as Swipe like emphasize the knowledge itself has to become 
separate, independent uh, body of content available to anyone. And if you redesign tasks, whether it's uh, you know assembly or whether it's it's a different kind of technology, if you redesign it in a way that it's definitely step-by-step step supports the task and it gives right contextual information at the right time, then we strongly believe that even lower skilled workers, as you call it, can go along in this journey. You're just augmenting them to improve their, you know, the, the relationship between the asset, the machine, or whatever the task that they're doing and the person itself. So I hope that provides the answer. At the same time, what we now call low skill worker, we do see that a lot of the standardized repetitive tasks there's a need to automate these tasks. They're meaningless. So that means that people that are now, if, for example, just putting pizzas into boxes, I think that's one of those examples where we say that should be, you know, that that's the first thing you should automate. And then people that do that, they have a certain skill set that you can tap into and bring over. I agree. It's about trying to find those transferable skill sets, right? Yeah. And really what piques their interest and then that it's, it's motivating factors, right? You find the motivation behind what they're passionate about and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And I, you know, I know that when you're trying to move a product out the door, it takes a lot of time that yeah. maybe you don't necessarily have, but it's tenfold will repay itself right. in retention. Yeah, correct. Um, and that, that's where I fully agree with you. The numbers and confirm it. It does wonders for your retention. And that means you don't have to retrain all the time. On to our next question here. Our friend Yen's here. Hey, Yen. I know you'd be hey. happy to see yes. Yen here. Hello. He's asking, how about safety? I think there are a lot of opportunities for ex either existing wearables, phones, smartwatch, et cetera, and new wearables to be used for safety. An example, knowing where people are on the plant floor and when mm -hmm. someone is moving into an area with a safety risk, get the machinist machine on hold until the person is out of the way again. But what do you think about safety for wearables? I'm not sure what the question is here. So to be honest, I think the hardware that help you locate people and connect that to your systems to shut down systems, you know, at a safety risk, as Jan is saying, provides a, a great opportunity to decrease the, the, the safety incidents that you see in, in manufacturing. I can only agree with Jan. Um, I think there's a, the impact, I would say, of the technologies uh, that we currently see coming onto the factory floors and the potential it holds for the workforce. I think safety is a huge driver for most manufacturing companies to start considering these kinds of technologies. And yes, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very uh, impactful. And I don't believe if that was the question, I don't believe that mobile devices or wearables provide a risk for the safety provided, of course, it's, you know, the application of it is thought through. I think one of the earliest wearable, like smart glasses, Swipe Guide was experimenting with, was a glass that you have to put on, but then the remote, the receiver of all of the like the the, the triggers, you had it was like a, a necklace around your neck. And of course, the first time you bend over to put something like to put carton into a filling machine, that necklace you know gets caught. So that would definitely produce a, a risk. That was to to us unbelievable. Okay, product invention, but we forgot to take the context into account. 
Absolutely. So we have time for one more question today, and I know we're already over time, if that's okay with you. So I titled this episode, Building Digital Bridges Between Knowledge and People. <laughs> and I just want to know how you think the connected worker technology and other industry 4.0 tech will ultimately impact the outcome of bridging the talent gap. And what role does sustainability play in the transformation? I know we touched briefly on how it's going to bridge the talent gap, but as far as sustainability, how do you feel like that's going to play out uh, yeah. over time? Yeah, thanks. Indeed, I think part of the question was answered before. It's simply put, right, we, the, all the technologies will support frontline workers to do tasks that are new, irregular, complex with less errors, right? And not just us, every IT system, the, the, the hardware that Jan was talking about, diagnostic software, smart glasses. So what all of these technologies do, it makes manufacturing jobs more accessible, but also it reduces errors. And in the end, every type of error is a waste. You, and if you can reduce the waste, either by searching for the right instruction or because there's an unexpected stop at the stand line and now it's being fixed, you automatically get, you know, the IoT sensors it and it sends you out the right task to do. Whether it's what, whatever technology it is, every technology is focused on reducing waste in manufacturing. And if you reduce waste, you need less natural, like raw natural resources. And what we see across our client base, for example, is they're, they're using less energy, they use less water. Production errors are less. So the number of faulty batches you have to dispose of are, are less. So all of that is the waste reduction that you see that ultimately makes manufacturing more sustainable. I think that is one different area in which you can look at sustainability. And the other one, of course, is creating a more equitable workforce because of the how-to that you execute your technology on. Absolutely. Well, Wildemine, it's been an absolute pleasure having mm -hmm. you on the show today. This has been such an insightful conversation for me. I've certainly learned a lot. We are at time here today, but I do want to say thank you to everyone that came out today and watched the conversation, contributed to the conversation, had some amazing questions today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Well, Ryan, hopefully we will catch up soon in real life. Hopefully. Yes. And yeah. thanks everyone for listening. It was an honor to be here and hope to catch you soon.